Thank you for downloading the Grove City Vineyard Sermon Podcast. Enjoy today's message. Amen, amen. Well, welcome again. Let me jump in. About 700 years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah prophesied this message in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He said, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah the prophet says to us, do you want to know what this, this Messiah will be like? Do you, do you want to know what he will look like? Do you, do you want to know about this Messiah? He was going to be a wonderful counselor. He's going to be a mighty God. He's going to be an everlasting father. He is going to be a prince of peace. This morning we're going to be starting a new series here at the Vineyard called Jesus Our Rescuer. It's a new Advent series. And throughout the course of of this series, we're going to be looking at these four titles of Jesus found in Isaiah chapter 9, highlighting how each of these titles offers us a different window into the rescuing work of Jesus. Today we're going to be starting off, of course, with the first title from Isaiah 9, A Wonderful Counselor. But before we dive any further, let me just pray again briefly. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you are our wonderful counselor, and we long to be counseled by you. Would you speak to us? Would you give us your wisdom? Would you give us your discernment? Would you show us how you want us to live out our days? Help us, God. Bring clarity. Free us from our apathy. Free us from the distractions of this world that we might be counseled by you. I pray now, Father, that you would, you would come in power. Would you, would you fill my words with your spirit? Would you help me to teach this text aright? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jesus is our wonderful counselor, we're told in Isaiah 9-6. And friends, this is really good news. Because I don't, I don't know if you know this about yourself, but we tend to be really bad at counseling ourselves. Listen, when I was in my 20s, you know, way, way back when, when I was in my 20s. And I looked back at, at, at my teenage years. When I look back at teenage Christian root, I, I would constantly think, what in the world was I doing? What in the world was I thinking? And I'm not just talking about trivial things, like, like the, the way I styled my hair, the clothing selections I made, but I, I mean really big decisions. The, the people that I was hanging out with, the decisions I was making daily. I, I look back at my teenage years when I was in my 20s and thought, what in the world was going on? And now that I'm in my 30s, I, I constantly, I look back at my 20s and I think, what in the world was Christian Rue doing in his 20s? Like, I made so many stupid choices in my 20s. Thankfully, I, I made a couple good ones. I, I married the right woman and, and I'm glad I went to seminary, glad I went into the ministry. But I, I look back at my 20-year-old Christian Rude and I'm like, that guy doesn't have a clue. And, and probably know where I'm going with this. Ten years from now, when I'm in my 40s, I'm going to look back at, at Christian Root in his 30s, and I'm going to say, what in the world was that guy doing? Some of the decisions that I'm making right now, I'm going to look at ten years from now and go, boy, doesn't have a clue. We are not particularly good at counseling ourselves. But Isaiah 9-6 tells us that there is a Savior coming who will offer us good counsel. 
That there is a Savior coming who will offer us wisdom and insight and discernment. There is a Savior coming, a wonderful Counselor coming, who will rescue us from ourselves. It's going to rescue us from ourselves. Now, I want to spend the remainder of our time looking at a very famous passage from Matthew chapter 11. For in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus lays out for us three ways that we can allow him to counsel us. Three ways that we can receive the counsel of Jesus and so be rescued from ourselves. So let's look at this famous passage together. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me. Matthew chapter 11. Many of you will know these verses. Verses 28 through 30. This is what Jesus says. He says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, Jesus says, and my burden is light. Amen. And so how do we allow Jesus to counsel us? Well, number one, Matthew, Matthew 11 is clear that we allow Jesus to counsel us by, by coming to him. We, we come to him. Come to me, come to me, Jesus says in verse 28, and I will give you rest. Now, now this might sound like the most painfully obvious sermon illustration or sermon point ever. But, but hear me out on this because this is really important, guys. If you are a follower of Jesus, and and I understand that that is not all of us here today, and and as I say virtually every time I preach, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you are here, we're so thankful that you're here and so glad that you're you're walking with us today. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you know that it is possible to be, as a Christian, to surround yourself with all of the trappings of Christianity without actually being close to to the person of Jesus. Do you know this one? It's possible to just surround yourself with all of the trappings of Christianity without actually being close to him. It's possible to have worship playing at your house all of the time and to be reading lots of helpful books about Jesus and to serve often at the church for Jesus and to even listen to podcasts or sermons on YouTube about Jesus without actually coming to Jesus himself. Now now listen, reading Reading books about Jesus and serving others for Jesus and talking to others about Jesus, these are really healthy and helpful practices. And so please don't hear me disparaging these pursuits. But the reality is, guys, Jesus doesn't say to us in Matthew chapter 11, read books about me or serve others for me or get on social media and defend me. I need at least one amen on that one. Come on. He says, come to me, come to me, speak my name, talk to me, worship me, engage me, invite me into the rhythms of your life. Friend, Jesus didn't die to give you Christianity, do you know that? He died to give you himself. And as you come to Jesus, as you create space for him in your life, as you speak to him, as you speak to any friend, He will counsel you. He will. He will speak to you through the Holy Spirit that is in you. He will give you peace. He will give you joy. He will give you a better perspective. But you have to come to him. You have to. For the the last five years or so, I've worked with the same Christian counselor. 
She's seen me, she's met with my wife, and, and frankly, she's, she's amazing. And, and just as an aside, I, I thank God for good professional counselors. I, I believe that Christians of all people should be first in line to receive help from counselors, especially from fellow believers, because we of all people should be willing to admit that we don't have it all figured out and that we need some help. We of all people should know that we can't be our own savior. And so I I thank God for good and godly professional counselors. I've been working with the same counselors, I, I just said, for the past five years or so. But honestly, and this is just a bit of a confession on, on my part, I, I've probably only met up with her twice over the last year or so. Since moving down to Grove City, it's been harder to get up to Worthington where she, she practices. And my life is pretty, pretty crammed full of stuff. And so just honestly, I've dropped the ball. I've only gone to her about twice in the last year. So while I can go on and on, guys, about how amazing my counselor is, and I could speak about her wisdom, I can tell you about her insight, I can tell you about her sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, if I'm not meeting with her, if I'm not blocking out that time, then all of her wisdom, all of her discernment, all of her good counsel, it doesn't really help me, does it? It doesn't really help me. Friends, it's not enough to know that Jesus is our wonderful counselor. If we want to be rescued from ourselves, then we actually need to schedule some time with him. We need to create space to meet with him that we might receive that counsel for ourselves. Moving on, we allow Jesus to counsel us, guys, by following his commands. By following his commands. This is my second point. Let's look at verse 29 again. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, it's, it's impossible to understand what Jesus is saying here if we don't know what a yoke is. A, a yoke is a, a wooden beam placed between two oxen or two other animals so that they might work in pairs to pull a load or, or to plow a field. And in Jesus' day, it was common for rabbis to speak of their yoke. To put on the yoke of a, a rabbi was to believe and follow that rabbi's particular teachings. And so when Jesus says to us, I, I want you to, to take my yoke upon you, He's saying, I want you to submit to my teachings. I want you to be led by them. As an ox is placed inside a yoke and led by the driver, so I want my teachings, Jesus is saying, to lead you. Now, if we want to take Jesus' yoke upon ourselves, we, we must first actually immerse ourselves in his teachings. We must first come to the Bible and actually read what it says. We can't obey what we don't. Know what we're unfamiliar with. So if you're here this morning and you would say, you know, I want, I want to be counseled by Jesus. I want him to be my wisdom. I want him to be my teacher. Then you need to read his teachings for yourself. You need to crack open the Bible and put your nose in it daily that you might immerse yourself and familiarize yourself with what he actually has to say. Friends, listen, I, I understand that we're quickly approaching that time of year where, where, where folks in our, our culture 
tend to make resolutions about what they want their coming year to look like. Are you familiar with this cultural practice, right? Okay, yeah. We have a tendency to make resolutions about our coming year. All right. And I wonder if, if there were some of us here today who would say, you know, as I think about my next years, I think about what I want my next year to look like. I just want to be someone who regularly, daily reads God's word. You know, you can make a, a whole lot of promises to God about what you, you want your next year to look like, and you're probably not going to fulfill any of them. The, the promises that you make about the kind of spouse you want to be or the kind of employee you want to be or the kind of parent you want to be. But I wonder if there are some of us here who would just say, you know, God, I know I'm going to screw up royally. I know that I'm going to fail miserably when it comes to following you. But if anything is true about me over the course of this next year, help me to be someone who daily, daily just finds myself in your word. That I just immerse myself in your teachings, Jesus. I'm not promising you perfection. I'm not promising you that I'm going to be the shiniest Christian that ever lived. But God, could, could I just, could I do this? Could I just come to your teachings and allow you to shape me by them? I, I wonder if there's just anyone here who would want to make that commitment. But of course, if, if we want Jesus to be our counselor, guys, then we have to do more than and to read his word, which is, is where we start, and, and that's where some of us need to start. But we actually have to follow his teachings as well. Turns out following his teachings, it's, it's even harder than reading them regularly. I don't know if you've learned that one yet. To call someone our, our counselor is to say that this is an individual who is allowed to speak into my life. This person has my ear, in other words, and I will listen. That's what it means to to call someone your counselor. And so if you're unwilling to obey the commands of Jesus, then then whatever else he is to you, he is is certainly not your counselor. I I love the story, guys, of of Jesus' first miracle from John chapter 2 when he turned water into wine at the wedding at Cana. Any, any of you familiar with this miracle? It's like three of us. Okay, that's encouraging. So there, there's a story in John chapter 2 where Jesus shows up at a wedding and crazily enough, turns water into wine. Right before that miracle, this is what I love. Mary, the, the mother of Jesus, she, she sensed that, that Jesus was about to do something. She sensed that he was about to, to move. And, and so Mary, the mother of Jesus, she looked over at this servants who were, who were serving the guests at the wedding, and she said, I love this, these words, she said, to G, she said to these servants, do whatever he tells you. She looked at the servants and she said, do whatever he tells you. Now, if that's not evidence of someone who has lived with Jesus for a long time, I don't know what is. She looks at the servants and she says, look, look, just do whatever he tells you. He's going to be right He's going to be right. I know this Jesus. I've lived with him since he was a boy. Just do whatever he tells you. It's probably going to make you uncomfortable, and it's probably going to be counterintuitive, but let me assure you, Mary says, he's right. Do whatever he tells you. And of course, if you've read through uh, John chapter 2, if you've read about Jesus' miracle, then, then you know that the servants, they took Mary's advice. When Jesus told them, just a 
a short while later to fill the stone jars with water and then take a cup from the jar to the master of ceremonies so that he could take a sip, that they followed his direction, even though it was completely nonsensical. And a miracle occurred. A miracle occurred. Water was turned into wine. Friends, if we want to be counseled by Jesus, we have to take a page out of Mary's playbook. We have to receive her advice as if it was spoken directly to us. Do whatever he tells you. Whatever he tells you in prayer. When when you're alone with God and, and, and the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, just do whatever he tells you. When you're reading Jesus' teachings and, and, and you see a clear command that you know is relevant for your life, do whatever he tells you. You know, I, I, just another honest confession, I'm probably never going to get a face tattoo. I, I don't know if you can get that vibe from looking at me, but I'm not a real face tattoo guy. But if I ever was going to get a face tattoo, I would put do whatever he tells you right across my forehead so that every time I look in the mirror, I would just see it staring right back at me. Do whatever he tells you. (sighs) Maybe I'll get a a fake tattoo once, like one of those rub-off ones, and come in with that. Here's what what British pastor Mike Pilavachi had to say regarding these words. I, I love, I love his comments. He says this, Mary doesn't say, do whatever he tells you when what he tells you makes sense. Do whatever he tells you when what, he, when what he tells you isn't too risky. Do whatever he tells you when you agree with whatever he tells you. That is not obedience. That is happening to agree with Jesus. Gosh, that convicts me every time I read it. Obedience is when you don't get it, when you don't understand, when it doesn't make sense, and when you have to go out on a limb. Friends, some of us need to hear these words today. Perhaps you've found yourself at a bit of a crossroads and you're, you're waffling back and forth and you're trying to figure out what to do. And I believe that you're sitting here in church right now so that these words from Mary can be spoken and shared with you as well. Do whatever he tells you. Friends, we're, we're called to be people who just seek and seek and seek after the Lord's will. And I understand that for some of us, maybe you're still trying to figure out what God's will is in a given situation, but we're called to seek after him and say, God, I want to do your will. I want to do your will. And once we receive that clear directive, we do whatever he tells us, even if it's hard, even if it's painful, even if it isn't the way that we would have, even if it isn't the way that we would have wrote the thing ourselves. You know, I've, I've told this to you before, guys, but I, I feel like it's appropriate to say it again. I know that when I get to the end of my life, I'm going to have a lot of regrets. And I know that simply because I've, I've had the privilege of, of being with enough people at the end of their life to know that regrets are just going to stay with us. But let me tell you this morning, you will never regret, you will never regret a single time that you are faithful and obedient to your Lord. You're going to have some regrets if the Lord gives you the grace to, you know, make it 80, 90 years and find you in a bed at some point on your last day. 
but you will never regret a single moment in which you're obedient to him, even when it's hard, even when you don't understand, and even if it feels like it's killing you. We allow Jesus to counsel us by obeying his commands. And lastly, it's my last point, we allow Jesus to counsel us by believing his promises. By believing his promises. Let's look at verses 28 through 30 once again. We're going to read them through again. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, Jesus says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Once again, to take on Jesus' yoke is to believe and follow his teachings. And while Jesus' teachings are indeed full of commands, his teachings are full of promises as well. At the very heart of Jesus' teaching was the promise that he had come to bring reconciliation between God the Father and human beings. This is what Jesus says in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. He says this, For even the Son of Man, that is Jesus, for even the Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus gave his life for us on the cross that we might be forgiven. He paid the price for our sin and betrayal that we might be freed from our punishment. And so to put on the yoke of of Jesus, therefore, involves not only following his commands, as we already looked at in our last point, but also receiving by faith the promise that your salvation, that my salvation, is not earned by our works, but instead through the life and the death of Jesus. P.T. Forsyth, he said it like this. He said, Christianity is not the sacrifice that we make. It's the sacrifice that we trust. You spend your whole life trying to, to sacrifice in order to please God. That is a pretty miserable existence. Christianity is the sacrifice that we trust, that we believe that because Jesus submitted himself in our place, that he received our punishment and that we are then forgiven and declared to be righteous in the Father's sight. This is a yoke, friends. This is a burden that that in reality is quite light. It's light. Let let me end with one illustration to highlight how this actually works. Let me try to bring it down for just a moment. We're living in the the golden age of of TV vocal competitions. I I don't know if you're, you're aware of this. We have the the voice. That's still a thing. We have People singing on America's Got Talent. We have The Masked Singer, which I'm not really familiar with that show, but I assume it's people singing with masks on. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Okay. So that is a thing. But the original singing competition, the OG, was, of course, American Idol. This is what I grew up on. And here's, here's what I love about American Idol, guys. American Idol, like all of these other shows, was incredibly stressful for all of the contestants. For, for the entire season, the anxiety and the stress of each contestant, it was, it was palpable. You could feel it. Because the contestants knew that just one missed note, just one bad performance, one night, one night in which they were a little flat, could cost them the entire competition, could cost them you know, a record deal, could cost them potentially a life of fame and fortune. 
so the, these contestants were just, just incredibly nervous and anxious the entire competition. You could just feel it as you watched. But, but, at the end of each season of American Idol, when the winner had been chosen and received their crown, this is what I love, they were able to sing one last song. And when the winner went up to sing, they were no longer singing as a contestant. They were no longer singing to prove or to earn anything. They had already been chosen by the judges. They'd already been declared victorious. The winning singer could sing with all of their might, free from stress, free from anxiety, simply delighting in their gift for the benefit of others. Friends, this is the rest that Jesus offers us. As followers of Jesus, we affirm that we have already been chosen before we wanted anything to do with God before we had any part of our lives that were worthy of redemption, our Father, He sought us out. He pursued us and He chose us. And we have already been declared victorious through Jesus' death on our behalf. We have been declared righteous so that when the Father looks at us, He does not see all of our junk and all of our duplicity. He sees the righteousness of Christ. We've already received the victory in Him. So there's nothing left to earn. There's nothing left to prove. We need to get this. All that's left is for us to to enjoy our gifts and use them for the benefit of others. All that's left to do is worship God and serve Him. Not out of duty, not out of obligation, but out of delight, knowing I have already been chosen. I have already been declared victorious through the sacrifice of Jesus. And so as we pick up the yoke of Jesus, we we find that there are commands to follow. There, There are real commands, which we talked about in our second point. There's work to be done. He doesn't tell us to pick up our pillows. He doesn't tell us to pick up our melatonin. He tells us to pick up our yoke, which is an instrument of work. There's there's commands to follow. But but there's also a rest that is offered us because he also gives us wonderful, great, precious promises in his teaching as well. It's a rest from striving. It's a rest from earning anything. It's a rest from comparison with others. This is how Jesus could say, my my burden is light. Friend, Jesus wants to be your wonderful counselor. Do you know that? He he wants to be your wisdom. He wants to be your guide. But if that's going to be a reality in our lives, if that's going to happen then we have to be people who, first of all, come to him. Come to me. Come to me, Jesus says, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Speak to me like you speak to a friend. And then secondly, we have to follow his commands. We have to receive the the advice of Mary. Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. And then thirdly, we have to receive his promises. His precious promises. That while there is work to be done, we know that the verdict has already 
been found in our favor. We've already been chosen. There's no contest. The victory is ours. And as we take on these practices, we'll find, church, that Jesus is indeed rescuing us. He's rescuing us from ourselves. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand? I'm going to invite the the prayer ministry team to head to either side of the stage right now. Friends, the way that we close our services is we take some some space for some of us to respond to to the message. And as I say every time I, I offer this call, if you want prayer for anything today, we want to pray for you. We would love to pray for you. But there's a a couple people in particular I would love to, or a couple groups in particular I'd love to receive prayer today. You know, I said on the front end of the message that if we want to be counseled by Jesus, we have to come to him. And I, I believe that there are some of us here who would say, if I'm really honest, I am just not as close to Jesus as I want to be. That, that maybe work has been super stressful, maybe your family life has, has been super hectic. Whatever that reason might be, some of us here today might say, Jesus, I, I, I just, I want to walk with you more closely than I currently am. You know, there, there have been seasons in my life where I, I've just said to Jesus, I, Jesus, I, I just miss you. I just miss you. Just allowing the, the distractions of this world to keep me from what is most important. And if that's you, I, I encourage you to come and receive some prayer today. That we might have the privilege of asking God to give you the courage, to give you the, the resolve to just pursue Jesus, to return to your first love. And maybe if you don't want to get prayer, maybe you might just want to come forward and and just do business with Jesus by yourself up here as a way of just saying, this is me coming back. I'm not making promises that I'm going to follow you perfectly moving forward, but this is me just saying, I want to come back. And then secondly, you know, my second point was, was that we're called to take a page out of Mary's playbook to do whatever he tells us. And and some of you, I, I believe, are at a crossroads right now. And maybe you're still on the front end of of trying to figure out what you're supposed to do and and things are are still a little murky for you and you might be praying for clarity today. And we want to pray for you for that. Or maybe maybe you're really clear. Maybe, Maybe you're really aware of what Jesus is asking you to do. But if you're honest, you just don't know if you can do it. And if that's you, we want to pray that that God would give you the ability, the strength to do whatever he tells you to do. And if that's where you're at, we want to pray for you today. And so if you want prayer for anything, I'm going to invite you over the course of this next song, Dad, to either side of the stage. We have folks who would love to pray with you. And for the rest of us, let's, let's close by singing this last song.